Support for Georgia College Connections comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald. Located about a mile offshore in the Atlantic Ocean, Cumberland Island is the largest of a string of barrier islands protecting Georgia's 110-mile coastline. Renowned for its salt marshes, maritime forests, and miles of pristine beaches, Cumberland is a pilgrimage site for people who want to experience a natural landscape almost untouched by modern humanity. Though it has been preserved for years by a combination of private and public interests, Cumberland Island's pristine natural wonder is now threatened by climate change and sea level rise. In 2016, artists Emily and Ernesto Gomez and Krista Bowden set out on a multi-year project to document the changing nature on Georgia's Cumberland Island. They're joining me today to talk about the first exhibit of their work, Cumberland Island, Land, Water, Wind, and Light. Emily and Ernesto Gomez, Krista Bowden, I want to thank you all for joining me today on Georgia College Connections. Thanks thank for, you having, for us. having us. Happy to be here. Well, for our audience members who may never have experienced Cumberland Island themselves, I was wondering if we could start our conversation off with just a few impressions of what one might see if they had the opportunity to visit. Krista? Well, it is one of the only places I've ever been where you can be on a, a pristine beach and look both directions and not see another human being and it is just an incredible sense of solitude and not just on the beach also in the forest with the live oak canopy along the marsh you know it's a place where someone can really kind of feel completely ensconced by nature it's it's a feeling that is hard to experience in our modern world yeah, I agree with that. And I, I asked Krista to speak first because she's been going to us since you were a child. Um, mm -hmm. For Emily and myself, we finished our fourth year in August. So yeah. I think we're all seeing it in a different way. And I think for me, the lack of humanness is really, uh, to me, appealing that it's generally just us and the four of us that we see. But there's this feral state that you get into that we just don't have those those opportunities on, on the mainland because there's so many people on internet and our jobs and all that. Within one day, this pristineness really takes over and it reminds me of the way humans used to live. And I think for me, that's a really nice aspect for that week that, that all of us spend there together. Yeah, you're definitely face-to-face -face with the wilderness in a different way than you ever are anywhere else. We see the cycle of life. We see things you know, being eaten, we see things dying, we see things being born. It's really kind of an incredible experience. Well, and I'm sure there are some audience members who are like, sign me up, when can I check this out myself? Uh, but then I'm sure there are others who are thinking, ooh, that's about some of the last things that I want. Um, for y'all, what draws you to this place? 
I think it's some of the things we mentioned, and that's a great question. At first, it was very unknown to us and very new. And then getting there, uh, this really strange thing happens. It just gets into your blood. And I think everyone we speak to who either lives on the island or has gone there, some of my students tell me this, oh, I went there camping, I don't know, five years ago. There's something about that island that draws you in. I think it's that that experience of nature that really is pivotal to human existence. Mm -hmm. For me, it's also the color. I'm a traditional photographer. I'm mostly black and white. And this is the first time that I've ever wanted to photograph in color because the sunsets and the sunrises and just sort of the golden hour on Cumberland Island is different than it is anywhere else. And. For me, it's a lot of the things that Emily Ernesto mentioned, but it's also a great deal of memory and nostalgia, which I also come to the project with. Um, As Ernesto mentioned a few minutes ago, I've been going to the island since I was three years old, so I have a great many memories associated with my time there, and it's also where I learned how to connect with nature, and so it has a great deal of personal importance to me. And you talked about uh, this mix of things that draw you there, perhaps for uh, recreation, leisure, a break from uh, the modern time. But uh, what drew you to start documenting this place, and especially to the level of dedication that you were doing so over these years? Well, I can, I can start... Um with that answer and then let Emily and Ernesto chime in. In um, 2015, it came to my attention that a lot of photographers were doing projects for the National Park Centennial in 2016. And I started to think about, you know, how I might be able to contribute to that project. And of course, Cumberland was the first thing that came to my mind. I realized that I had such a personal association with the island that I needed to find someone or some people who didn't have all of those previous memories and associations who might be able to approach a centennial project more objectively. And so I knew Emmeline Ernesto pretty well and thought that they would be kind of ideal for the situation of the project. And so I approached them and uh, here we are. We were uh, really excited. Remember, we all talked about it, went emails back and forth and calls. And and for me, I was thinking, well, uh, for you two as photographers, that makes perfect sense. But what in the heck am I going to do there? I'm not going to build sculptures on the beach. I suppose I could, but not having been there, I had really no idea what to expect, and Krista did a very good job explaining it to us. But I think without being there, it's really hard to envision what actually happens. And we get this all the time from our students and our colleagues and our friends who ask us about this. And in their mind, we're having a margarita on the beach, and we're having a wonderful sunsets and sunrises. And it's really not that at all. It's something that we've all had to adjust to in our art making. It's tedious, it's laborious, it's early mornings, it's later nights, it's very hot. Uh, We're there in the first week of of August, and it's very unpleasant. So I think uh, that's something that needs to be uh, spoken of when we talk about this work, because the visuals we produce, because we're all trained at what we do, we produce art at a high level, it doesn't give the blood and soul aspect of what we put in to get this work out. 
I think the reward is the art that we make because a lot of times when we're on there, like I'm surprised that I keep going back, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were looking at pictures of us from the first year and we were walking around in shorts and that was like the stupidest idea we ever had because we would come home with ticks on us. And uh, after a while, we kind of like built up this Cumberland Island uniform that we have to wear, which is like all for <laughs> methrin everything we have those hats that have nets on them um it's really funny because whenever a day tripper sees us they probably think we're insane because of the way that we're dressed we're like head to toe clothing and 100 degree weather but that's the only way to kind of ensure that you don't <laughs> get ill or um have any kind of problem when you're there Well, it's time now for us to take a short break. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're talking about Cumberland Island and a group of artists who are documenting this place. The first exhibit of their work is called Cumberland Island, Land, Water, Wind, and Light, and it's on display through early February at the Lenfest Center for the Arts at Washington and Lee University in Lexington, Virginia. I'm joined on the phone by... Krista Bowden. She is a professor at Washington and Lee University, and I'm joined also by Emily and Ernesto Gomez, uh, both professors here at Georgia College. Stay tuned, and we've got a lot more to talk about on this edition of Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. If you're just joining us, we are talking about the art exhibit Cumberland Island, Land, Water, Wind, and Light. And I'm talking with the three artists behind this exhibit, Emily and Ernesto Gomez of Georgia College and Krista Bowden of Washington and Lee University in Lexington, Virginia. In that last segment, we were talking about this pristine, wild Wonder, uh, which is Cumberland Island, one of the 15 barrier islands on the Georgia coast. My guests have been working for the past four years to document this ever-changing landscape. In this segment of our conversation, I thought I'd start off asking you about uh, the title of the exhibit, which is on display through February at the Lenfest Center for the Arts at Washington and Lee University. Uh, unfortunate for a local audience um, in Lexington, Virginia. But this initial exhibit is called Cumberland Island, Land, Water, Wind, and Light. And I thought I'd just start off by, why did y'all title this exhibit uh, with that name? 
Well, I think that we were looking at all of our work and looking at common themes, and those are really the elements that stood out, basically the elements that were in all of our work and things that we wanted to emphasize, I guess I would say. Yeah, and and for me, wind is how I'm doing these drawings, so it is the generator of these drawings, and I've set all these parameters where without the wind, most of my artwork is not happening because I was going to do sound recordings first. And um, when I walked on the beach with all my gear and um, I was redlining everywhere because the wind was so howling. So the first year I really had to um, improvise and I ended up making photographs. And I'm not a photographer. I'm a person who makes images. Uh, I'm working with two photographers for sure. So those are some um, uh, road I don't want to travel on because I don't have that skill set. So uh, win for me uh, had to be part of the title. I think that also our title tied into how we ended up organizing the exhibition. And part of what we were thinking is how do we put this together in such a way that someone, say for instance in Virginia, who's never experienced Cumberland Island can go through this exhibition and get a real sense of the space. And one of the ways that definitely helped us do that was through Ernesto's recording of sound on the island, but also tying into the title, we divided it up into sections. We have water and tides, wind and rhythm, untangling the forest, death and struggle, artifacts and histories, and habitats and ecosystems, and light and color. Did I forget anything? No, you got all of them. That's perfect. I'm very impressed. (laughs) I was looking through the exhibition in my head trying to remember. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty amazing when we all sat down after the third year to figure out how to put the work together. We all had such different ideas. We all kind of assumed that we were seeing the island in the same way, but we all had totally different views of it. That was really striking to me because we're all there together we're in the trenches i mean physically dealing with ticks and hogs and you know rattlesnakes and being chased by wild horses and you know and we and, and we lived together uh for that week and we did it for three years at that point and i think we were all really amazed that we didn't have the same i guess initial outcome in mind which was great i think yeah i think a perfect example of that is the way that i was seeing the island in kind of this uh, west to east <laughs> progression from the marsh to the beach. And I tried to explain that to the two of you. And you were like, what are we you just, talking about? We were about? just looking at you like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that bears um, some more mention because um, this island, although it's not extremely large, it does have a lot of extremely um, varied uh, shall we say, uh, biomes, as you uh, put in the description. I, I, well, I don't really have a question there as much as uh, just if you might uh, elaborate on you know how this small geographic space could be so diverse there on Cumberland Island. I think that's one of the things that's so amazing about the island is the diversity. I mean, you have these ancient maritime forests of live oaks, but you also have... Um, some incredible areas of longleaf pine. You have a lot of freshwater lake systems on the island that help with the diversity of the wildlife. So it is amazing. And one of the things that I'm really fascinated with is how 
you kind of can watch those areas transition from one to another. Say, for instance, um, tidal creeks coming in and out of the maritime forest. So it's just, it, it is truly amazing the diversity that you have in that really small space. And Krista is really phenomenal at finding those spaces. That was something that I didn't see, really. I noticed when I was looking at our work, I called her work Untangling the Forest, because when I look at the maritime forest, I get anxiety, like I don't know how to make sense of it. And when she photographs it, I see it so clearly. I notice that all of my photographs are like on the exterior or in places that are well manicured. I'm either photographing the water and the light on the water, or I'm photographing the historic sites that are kind of manicured. That's really true. Standing in in these tangled forests, I feel like everything I'm seeing is pixelated. It's really hard for me to focus, and I tend to go right out to the beach and, 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 and draw, or I have the sound recordings going, and that's something that I didn't realize as well, even though we're there, we live with it, we're, uh, we're recording it. Until I started doing the mix down for the sound piece, I did not notice all of the air traffic that was present over this island. And I remember I told all of you that I was just, how don't I know this? You know, I have the headphones on, you know, they're noise canceling, I hear everything. And until I did that, it was really, it's such a faint thing. And I think it's those subtle things about the island uh, and, and to give the listeners an idea, it's almost the same size as, as Manhattan. So it's 18 miles by 4 miles. And we hiked that whole thing. We're all over the place, and we've learned a lot. There's still more to see, of course. But I think it's the little subtle changes. And as Emily said, Krista's really good at finding those spaces where they do that transition. One of the things I wanted to mention was I've had the opportunity to um, go on a trip to the island myself. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that struck me is how things are different on the island because of the unique nature of being there on the coast and it being a barrier island. I, I think commonly we think of trees growing up straight and tall, but the, the whipping wind as it comes off the Atlantic twists them in these you know just incredibly unique ways and even um your proximity to the rest of humanity those things that would seem so commonplace like the air traffic that's omnipresent even here in milledgeville um, would take on a different nature without so many of um, our fellow humanity being there and so you know even those things that are common uh, become unique when you're on that island I think that's true, and uh, a lot of the work I do, uh, not on the island but everywhere, is about making our hearing more keen, how people uh, listen to what's around them more. And I think that's why I was just kind of uh, surprised at myself as someone who thinks about deep listening a lot when it comes to my artwork and the things I produce and how I try to live my life, that I was not cognizant of all those extra noises, you know, the sound. As you said, it's very omnipresent, and I was really kind of... uh, amazed that I didn't notice that. I didn't notice a lot of it until I listened to Ernesto's sound recordings, honestly. I think that a lot of times I'm so focused on the visual that I don't hear what's happening. Um, Also, he was doing underwater recordings, and he was actually able to hear the naval base that's nearby. He could hear engines and motors and things that you couldn't hear otherwise. And you can hear dolphins and motors at the same time, and it kind of takes on this whole, like, wow, all of this stuff is happening that we can't see. Absolutely. 
You're listening to a conversation with artists Krista Bowden and Emily and Ernesto Gomez about their collaborative exhibit, Cumberland Island, Land, Water, Wind, and Light. That exhibit is on display now in the Lenfest Center for the Arts at Washington and Lee University in Lexington, Virginia. But you can see images from the exhibit on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash WRGC 88.3 FM. We've got more to talk about, so stay tuned to George College Connections. to um, perhaps uh, alight for a moment on a, um, a reciprocity that I, I think I'm sensing uh, between y'all in that, uh, Krista, you have very you know, a very long history with this island, uh, but you reached out to collaborators who may not be um, familiar with it at all when y'all started or may mm-hmm. have just a, a little bit of experience. Can y'all talk about um, the sharing that y'all are doing uh, based on the differing levels of experience with the island? Well, like I said earlier, I thought it was really important um, to bring people into the project who were seeing the island with entirely fresh eyes. And one thing that's been really fascinating is to watch how their visions of the island have changed, as I think I understand that they've also developed an emotional attachment to that place and seeing how things evolve. It's been a really interesting, I think, process for all of us because speaking for myself and I think for Emily and Ernesto as well, this is the first time that we've collaborated with others on a major project. Is that correct for you both as well? Yes, it is. Uh, Yes, absolutely. So it's definitely been a a learning process of how to give and uh, compromise on planning and figuring out how we're going to do things and and in particular in terms of when we're on the island we have to sit down um, before each day and plan out what we need where we need to go how we need to do things so that's been one uh, really interesting thing is is learning how to collaborate on a project but I'm so happy that it has ended up that way because I think that uh, the three of us are are combined efforts on the project have thus far produced something more meaningful and substantial than it would have with any one of us alone. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that the first couple of years, I was really just trying to figure out what to photograph, and I photographed so much. I think I had 40 rolls of color slide film and like 20 rolls of black and white film, and you know, I just spent all this time sorting through it. And then the second year I did something fairly similar. And then by the third year, I felt like I was photographing more like myself, which is kind of strange. I think when you're an artist, you have a certain set of ideas or themes that you're always working toward. And it took, I think, until my fourth year for me to get to the point where I was making my art like totally there. Um, And that's when I started bringing my large format camera and making cyanotypes. Yeah, I agree with all that. And I think for the first two years, um, 
uh, Krista and Nathan. Uh, Nathan is Krista's husband. He also joins us. I lean heavily on you two to show us around, to educate us, and that led to more research. And uh, in in the day, so we usually shoot in the morning, go out in the morning, do recordings. Uh, we're very very early, four o'clock a.m. We're up and we're out of the house. Then we come back, you know, around after after breakfast, a late brunch. Then we spend the rest of the day inside because it's too hot and. That's the time where we do a lot of reading or internet research. And those first two years, those times during the day, I did so much research and we were sharing things with each other about the, you know, the long history of that island. Um, uh, Nathaniel Green, Light Horse Harry Lee, you know, the, the Native American population prior, you know, Spanish, the French, the British, and then us when, when the Americans took over. Uh, it just goes on that in the Carnegies and forward, forward, forward. All these things we had to learn. In those first two years, I, I feel like I didn't have a, big, a great grasp. Now when I go back, I feel like I'm in my artist studio. I understand that place now. When I'm curious, as you are uh, exhibiting this work for the first time now, do audience members see that evolution? Or are they seeing a snapshot in time over these four years? I would say it's the product of all that work. It looks like a cohesive show, obviously, but and that's the thing why I think we need to talk about um, as we have to do these talks about this work is the struggle to get to what you're seeing. It tells a story that we want to tell. It, it talks about um, climate change. It talks about you know death and struggle and life and death and our encroachment on on the land. But there's a lot that goes into that, and we spent uh, what two weeks of summer editing. I mean, how many images do you all think? 600 images? Oh, More than wow. that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a lot. Uh, a lot. It, it took us a long time to just narrow this down. And we had to make some very hard choices of things that may have told that evolutionary story more of our time there. But it, it, it's, it's distilled down to, I think, the cream of the crop of the last, like, last four years of work. And Mitch, we'll talk a little bit more about the exhibit that's on display now. Um, in, in the terms of, you know, is this, you know, the exhibit? Is this a step out to display the work that's already been done? Does it fit into a larger collection of work as you uh, perhaps continue to go out there? I think that this is definitely the first step, the first exhibit. The project is still very much in, in progress. I'm not really sure from, from my perspective when it'll be completed. Hopefully we'll, we'll feel like we know when that point has come, when we've captured the full story. But I feel like there's still a lot of, a lot of work left to do. So it feels like this is kind of a, a step along the way in terms of getting the story that we want to get. And we really have an enormous amount of space at Washington and Lee to show our work, which is really unusual. So I think between Krista and I, we have like 60 photographs. Is yeah, that right? 60 photographs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Ernesto has 10 drawings and sound recording. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of work. So we're able to tell the story of all the different themes that we we found in our work. And I think that when it goes and it travels, we're going to be curating almost like a different show maybe for each space? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. The space is vast and we have so much work uh, and I think too much work, but <laughs> <laughs> that, that was also a curatorial process on our part. Once we got the work in there, okay, we, we still 
debate how to hang things, it'll never be the same show. And and that's kind of exciting too, because what we're showing now uh, is what we've coalesced down from the last four years. Uh, we, we have new ideas. We've been talking about that. Um, portraiture idea of people on the island, sound recordings like of, of history, like oral histories. So we've been throwing some new ideas around for our, you know, for our year five, which is coming up in August. Well, let's take another short break right now. If you're just joining us, you are listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Uh, today, we're talking about the wonder of Georgia's Cumberland Island. My guests today, Emily and Ernesto Gomez and Krista Bowden, have set out on a multi-year project to document this national seashore uh, right here in our home state. And they've just presented the first exhibit of this work, and it is entitled Cumberland Island, Land, Water, Wind, and Light. And it's on display through early February at the Lenfest Center for the Arts at Washington and Lee University in Lexington, Virginia. We've still got more to talk about, so stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. If you were just joining us, we're joined in the studio today by Krista Bowden and Emily and Ernesto Gomez. They are the artists behind a new exhibit that's documenting Georgia's Cumberland Island. The exhibit is entitled Cumberland Island, Land, Water, Wind, and Light. And... Uh, in a, in a strange twist of things, it's not an exhibit that our local audience can experience here yet, I hope. Um, it's actually, the exhibit is on display at the Lenfest Center for the Arts at Washington and Lee University in Lexington, Virginia through early February. Um, but uh, as we talked about in the last segment, it will become a traveling exhibit in some form or fashion in the future. And we hope to be able to get our audience in front of your work sometime soon. Uh, but um, I wanted to ask about audiences um, in this segment of the show. Um, of course, we've talked about this has been a four-year-long journey that y'all have been on documenting Cumberland Island, and you're now taking some of that work to an audience at Washington and Lee University in Lexington, Virginia. I'm curious, have y'all been receiving uh, reaction and feedback um, from this initial audience uh, for your work? 
Well, we haven't heard a lot of formal feedback yet because the exhibit's only been open for a couple of weeks. But one interesting thing that I have heard so far is that professors from other disciplines approach us about um, utilizing the exhibition in their class, a creative writing course is going in to do some writing about the images and a environmental studies course is going to to go in and use the exhibition for a class. And so that's really exciting to me to know that um, at least here within my own university community, the work is speaking to people other than artists. Yeah, that's so great to hear. We drove the work up in early December, dropped it off, and the gallerist and us, we, we all kind of chipped in to, to help her do some installation. She did most of the work. Clover's amazing. So Emily and I have never seen the, the show done. It was on the wall, but there were still ladders and tools and crates everywhere. So we haven't even seen the work done. So for us to go up there, it'll be great. And we did receive some comments from colleagues, too, of Krista's. You know, some, some very sweet emails, very kind. And I, I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, I was happy to hear. We had an email from a colleague who spent some time with the work, and she said that she really saw it as a collaboration, which I think is what we really wanted. Like, we didn't want any one person's work to stand out more than the other. We wanted it to read as, like, a whole body, and it sounds like from what she said that it came off that way. Yeah, and um, I'm just kind of curious what the sensory feel is in there, Krista, because, um, again, we haven't seen it since it was cleared out. So when you when you walk in you know, with the audio playing and the visuals, um, mm-hmm. is, 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 that, is that transporting people there, in your opinion? I hope so. I mean, it's really hard to step back and look objectively just because we have so much blood, sweat, and tears in that exhibition. True. But one thing that is really interesting is is this gallery has glass doors that, that close it off. And so if the doors are closed, it's truly kind of uh, an all-encompassing space. However, during the day, they leave the um, doors propped open, so the sound is, is sort of spilling out into other spaces in the building and hopefully enticing people to come in and take a look at what's in there because it is really intriguing to hear these little bits of sound um, drifting out of the gallery space. That is really great to hear. And so I think there's a bird trap in this building, right? <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot, lots of birds in the sound recording. <laughs> well, that's one thing I, I was curious about mm-hmm. is um, I, I'm familiar with some of your work, Ernesto, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, is it a soundscape, shall we say, that people might you know, easily um, write onto the landscape that they're expecting uh, for a place like Cumberland Island? Or is it something that um, uh, may perhaps challenge them in their precepts of what that place might be? Challenge for my audio work is a great word, Daniel. And this time I was very good, very conservative. Uh, there's no textures. There's no, um, no treatments to it. Uh, the sound that I'm presenting uh, is a true straight audio collage. So there's no embellishments. Um, I do very minor segues, but what you're hearing is exactly what we live with the whole week that we're there. So I think when we add visuals and the aural, hopefully our, our plan was that that would help people kind of get more into that headspace of what we deal with and what that island is to the world. 
when I was thinking about the exhibition, I was thinking that the sounds would be the thing that really made people feel like they were there because it's more immediate. Just the way that you experience sound is, I don't know, maybe less subjective. Mm -hmm. And one question that may be a difficult question uh, to answer, but what do you hope your audiences uh, take away from the work that you're doing? And I kind of have almost like I want to put into two parts, um, and maybe it's the same, but maybe it's different. what do you hope your audience takes away from this exhibit? And is that the same or different from what you hope they might take away as you progress through with this project? I hope that people who haven't been there walk away understanding why Cumberland matters, um, why it's special, why we need to preserve it and take care of it, and to also maybe stop to think about Cumberland in terms of the larger global perspective of uh, climate change and the the threat that places like Cumberland have because of that. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that, Krista. And I think when we're there, we come back and I, I look at the work, listen to the things I made. It's very sad work to me, uh, even though it's, it's visually beautiful and aurally beautiful. But I think about how all the animals, the birds, that land, you know, if the water rises 10 feet, 15 more feet, a lot of that's going to be gone. And, and that's happening around the world now. I think about Venice and, you know, it's, it's, you know, had three floods in the last year. I think about all the things that are there, the histories, the buildings, uh, the critters, the people, all that can be gone. So it's really hard for me to, to not see this work and have a little bit of sadness. I definitely agree with both of those. I think it's really kind of showing us this isolated place that you can see the work and then take it back to where you live and think about what is the history of where I am, what's important about where I am, and why is it important that we preserve anything, like any part of this country? Hopefully people will ask themselves those questions. You're listening to a conversation with artists Krista Bowden and Emily Ernesto Gomez about their collaborative exhibit, Cumberland Island, Land, Water, Wind, and Light. That exhibit is on display now in the Lenfest Center for the Arts at Washington and Lee University in Lexington, Virginia. But you can see images from the exhibit on our Facebook page at facebook.com WRGC 88.3 FM. We've got more to talk about, so stay tuned to George College Connections.
Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. If you're just joining us, we're talking about the new exhibit, Cumberland Island, Land, Water, Wind, and Light. Unfortunately, this exhibit is on display at Washington and Lee University in Lexington, Virginia. But as it includes members of our faculty corps, Emily and Ernesto Gomez, we're featuring it here tonight on Georgia College Connections. I'm talking with Emily and Ernesto and their collaborator, Krista Bowden, about this exhibit, Cumberland Island, Land, Water, Wind, and Light, the product of four years of collaboration down on Georgia's Cumberland Island, just on the Atlantic coast of Georgia. And I I think it shows my own bias in that I do think this place matters, and I do think the preservation of this place in other places that show the natural heritage um, that we have here in our country, in places around the world, you know, is so very important. But yet, um, that is a divisive issue. You mentioned in the materials for the exhibit that uh, some parts of the preservation of this island have been politically divisive. I was wondering if y'all might tell our audience, why is that? And does it, and if it does, how does it interact with the work that you're doing out there? I was the one that wrote that line, and I think that when I wrote it, I was thinking about the documented history. There have been books written about the transition of Cumberland Island from privately held property into a national park, and so I was thinking about that and had that in mind at the time, and then I think as the project went on, we started to see other sorts of things come up, or or we became, I think, more acutely aware of other things. For example, the, the horses are something that people love, but it's also something that is challenging for both the horses themselves and the ecosystems of the island, and so that, we realized, was a divisive issue. Climate change as a whole seems to be <laughs> despite the science, an arguable issue for some people. The other thing, too, is real estate. It's it's prime property. So when it went from private hands to owned by the, by the state and, and, and then the country itself in the early 70s, all these land deals were struck with the current owners, and a lot of those are still honored. Um, but there's been developers trying to get on that island, um, just like, like Hilton Head. Um, now we all know what Hilton Head is. And there's just been this vision of of commerce and turning and putting a bridge to it. And all of these things would absolutely ruin the nature, no matter what is said, that it'll they'll leave certain areas to be free and nature the way Cumberland is. We all know it'll change. This is, I believe, uh, the last feral island of this size on the entire eastern seaboard. So if we do allow this to happen, that's it. It's gone. I think also there is um, proposed development of Camden Spaceport, um, which would have launches going over the north end of Cumberland Island and the hazards associated with that. So that's another controversy that's arisen in the time that we've been working on the project. Uh, yes, absolutely. And there, there's a naval station that's right right by, which has been there for years. But uh, all, all, all the sonar and the sonic blast it puts out, it injures the animals, it, it endangers the whales that are living there, all the sea turtles. Uh, this, this is their, their nesting land right there. So there's so much human encroachment. And this is one of the last areas where all of these animals breed and, and, and have their young. 
So that's a constant struggle, I think, on their part to maintain their their actual right to that space. Yeah, the only other thing I would add, I guess, is the right whales are very important to that area. And in the news, they've been talking about how the population is actually getting better now, but the right whales are a really important part of that area, and they have been threatened in the past. And I'll ask, um, do these conversations weigh into the work that you're doing? That's a really great question. And I think it's always present in my mind. I feel a sense of urgency to get everything I can um, on tape when, when I'm out there re recording because as we're seeing in Australia right now, these bushfires, all these animals being wiped. I mean, here like billions of animals gone. I can't even understand what that is. And I, I, I translate those kind of tragedies, those eco-tragedies to Cumberland. I think, my goodness, there's a lot of pressure that's incumbent on us with this project to record everything there because it may not be there. So for me, it's, it's always dominant in, in my mind. It, it's primary. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it, it drives the work a great deal. And I think that the work is evolving as we're spending more time with people who actually live on the island full time and are there and can tell us these stories because they obviously see things with a lot more immediacy and acutely than, than we see them coming to do our work on the schedule that we do. And in the context of the work that you're doing, is documentation something greater than just that? Mm, could you clarify that question? Yeah. Well, you can sometimes think of documentation as a act of defiance or mm -hmm. a simple administrative task. It can be a comment on what's happening and what's not happening. I'm wondering if in this sense, is it a you know, uh, critique of where we are, critique of the conversations that are going on, a, a simple act of uh, collecting something uh, for oneself or for humanity, um, if it is a way that y'all are bringing something new to the conversation or preserving a conversation for uh, those in the future, I really hope that we're bringing something new to the conversation. I really, you know, a big goal for me is making sure that um, my photographs aren't just, you know, beautiful landscape photographs and that they are serving some kind of deeper function to inform the audience. And I, ho I hope that I'm doing that. I'm not sure, but... It's definitely a goal that's a forefront in my mind. Yeah, I think um, for me it started more as a, as a curiosity. I was trying to learn the island, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't really know about it. I think the last couple of years it's shifted into a activist light approach. I, I feel a certain sense of urgency to create this archive in case something uh, does happen to the future of the island. But I'm... I really believe in you know, art and politics, how it can change people, it can help people, and again, put our message out there. 
But I think we've we worked very hard not to make it an activist show. We tried very hard to make it more neutral so it's approachable. And I think that's really important um, with, with this artwork because we're trying to get to a wider audience. And as you mentioned earlier, hopefully bring it back home to Georgia. I think most Georgians uh, have some kind of a, of a memory or history or knowledge of the island. I guess I see the island, again, as like a small part of something larger. And um, the more I go there and the more I learn about the history in particular, the more I want to show that aspect that we started with the Timucuan Indians and then the Spanish came in and settled that and then the British came in and diseases happened and then, Amer you know, the Americans came and it's just like this layer upon layer of history. There were enslaved people there. There was just this huge amount of history, like uh, freed slaves settled there after the Civil War. Uh, there were African-American farmers who lived there. Just all of that history, you know, not to mention John F. Kennedy Jr. and Carolyn Bissett getting married there, um, which is what people want to hear about. But that little island has so much history, and it kind of shows us who we are as Americans and where we came from and how we need to go forward and be better, I guess. Now, as we mentioned, um, this exhibit, Cumberland Island, Land, Water, Wind, and Light, is one, uh, shall we say, step in this longer project. I'll just ask, where are you all going from here? What's next? Well, uh, this is the first show, and so we sent all kinds of feelers out. Uh, now we have postcards, we'll have images. So I think with any art, when you're trying to show it at the next venue, um, you know, the next venue wants to see what, what the prior venue did. And since this is the first one, now we have all that documentation. So we've been tapping all kinds of resources in the Southeast. Uh, so we'll know more hopefully soon. And I'd say this interview is going to help us as well because we're going to have to start talking about this work publicly and not just between the three of us. So this is kind of like training for that. Um, we're having our first artist talk next Tuesday where we're going to be interviewing each other so that we can ask each other about each other's work um, and the things that we're not seeing that they are. So we're starting out trying to put out feelers and figure out how we're going to relate to each other about this and then go forward from there. I think that we would all really like to exhibit the work somewhere in Georgia, you know, closer to Cumberland at some point. We've also talked about the possibility of putting the work together in a book at some point, but I think that we want to be further along with the project before we get to that point. <laughs> yes, I agree. And do you anticipate any changes in the way you'll operate on the island, um, having gone through this process of preparing the work uh, for an audience? It's funny you mentioned that. We usually go from Saturday through a Saturday, or probably even Friday through a Saturday. Last year, about halfway through the week, we all looked at each other and said, oh my goodness, um, I think we have what we need. Because for the first time last year, uh, we went with certain holes we had to plug. We need a picture of this or a sound recording of that. And we had a little check sheet. And halfway through the week, we were absolutely done. And I think next year, we'll have new things to start. So for me, it may be like the first year I went again, we'll be back to this, okay, all right, what are we doing now? We have a jumping off point, but uh, it'll be interesting for sure. And are there any ways that 
our audience can experience some of this work now? Well, um, we could look at our websites. <laughs> my website is emilyjgomez.com. My website is kristabowden.com. And I have not added anything to my website, so I am the slacker of this group. <laughs> and I do hope that at some point we can um, put all of our work together somehow online in um, a format that would allow people who aren't seeing an exhibit or a book firsthand to be able to experience the work we haven't talked about that too much yet, but um, mm -hmm. that's sort of a, a, a hope or a long-term goal that I would love to see happen. It makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Well, Emily and Ernesto Gomez, Krista Bowden, I want to thank you all for joining me today on Georgia College Connections. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Thank it was you. a pleasure. You've been listening to a conversation with artists Krista Bowden and Emily and Ernesto Gomez about their collaborative exhibit, Cumberland Island, Land, Water, Wind, and Light, which is on display now in the Lenfest Center for the Arts at Washington and Lee University in Lexington, Virginia. You can find links to photographers Krista Bowden and Emily Gomez's work on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash WRGC 88.3. And the music you heard during tonight's program comes from the band Manito, featuring tonight's guests, Emily and Ernesto Gomez. You can hear more of their music at manito1996.bandcamp.com. On behalf of WRGC, I've been your host, Daniel McDonald. It has been my pleasure spending this portion of the evening with you here on Georgia College Connections, and I want you to know that I look forward to convening with you next time. <laughs>